gather together from the far reaches of the internet are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero Superman Superman. Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend, featuring the thrilling adventures of Superman, Golden Age Superman, the Superman Fan Podcast, Superman in the Bronze Age, From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman Podcast, The New 52 Adventures of Superman, Superman Forever Radio, I've got a few things to say about Superman. The Kara's World Podcast. The Superman Vidcast. The world's best podcast. And Radio Kale from supermanhomepage.com. Join hosts Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, Charlie Niemeyer, J. David Weeder, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, Danny Sapp, Cayman Stoll, I'm Isaac, I'm Adam, Dave Eunice, and co host Scotty V. At supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton, Kal-El came to Earth, whose environment gave him fantastic powers. In Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil the world over as Superman. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 80 of Superman in the Bronze Age, the only podcast on the internet providing exclusive coverage to Superman's Bronze Age adventures. My name is Charlie Niemeyer, and today I'm going to present to you part two of my discussion with Michael Bradley of Superman vs. Muhammad Ali. And since this is the third episode of the month, that means I don't have to worry about telling everyone about all the stuff they can buy at in stock trades, although you should check it out. But I really don't need to mention all that because I've already done my sponsorship stuff for the month. So let's just jump right into the conversation with Michael Bradley. Superman of the Bronze Age will be back after these messages. In a world where planets die, I have come to the conclusion Krypton is doomed. Did I hear him right? Where good and evil fight a never-ending battle. But millions of people will die. Millions! Once again, the press underestimates me. One man will become a hero. Every world needs its heroes, Clark. They inspire us to be better than we are. And they protect us from the darkness that's just around the corner. One man rise to the challenge look up in the sky it's a bird it's a plane one man will wear spandex well one thing's for sure nobody's gonna be looking at your face mom (laughs) well they don't call them tights for nothing (laughs) presenting the thrilling adventures of Superman. 
podcast looking at the Man of Steel's history via his earliest adventures in comics, radio, and film. Featuring reviews, commentary, creator spotlights, and more. Join the adventure at GreatCrypton.com. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more supermanhomepage.com we now return to superman and the bronze age i really want a hanya uh, action figure and a muhammad ali action figure to put with my superman action figure oh they could have come out with in the superpowers line oh that would have been awesome oh, cuz you know they would have just given ali that punching action mm-hmm. like superman had and you could have just yeah and you could have had them fight each other yeah uh-huh. They, and Hanyo, I don't know, he would have lumbered, but still, would have been cool. They came out with that statue a few years ago of, oh, of yeah. Superman and Ali. I didn't buy it, though, because it was way too expensive. No, yeah, but it was, it was about the time that they did this, wasn't it? Uh, the re, yeah, the reprint, I think so. A reprint, yeah. I think that was part of the celebration. Hmm. Uh, but moving right along, page 26, Um, I... Love the way that Ali and Superman react to Hanya. Yes. And then also Ratlar's reaction to their reaction. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's pretty amazing. And and look at the body language. Uh, panels four and five, and then even the first couple panels over on page two. Look at the body language of Superman and Ali. It it's just a great mm-hmm. example of the uh, the finesse, I guess you would say, in Adams's art. Like the opening splash, lesser artists could not pull that off. Yeah, we got Ollie yawning. Mm-hmm. Well, Superman's just kind of got his arms behind his back. And then, you know, the next one, they're both just like, mm, Ollie's like, oh. Ollie's like, what's with this guy? Superman's, kinda <laughs> Superman's throwing his hands up. I don't know. <laughs> I know. He's even got his lip out, like, oh. Yeah. And, and then the next page, they're smiling and yawning and leaning against a wall. It's awesome. Yeah. And. Since it's the seventies, Ali's got some rocking uh, bell bottom trousers. Yes, <laughs> rocking the bell bottom trousers. Page twenty six. They um, Ratlar describes Hanya. Too many alien names. He describes Hanya as um, bred or molded to be a perfect warrior, born in a laboratory, toughest skin of any humanoid in the universe. It's a complete coincidence, but that's awfully similar to Doomsday. Yes, I thought the same thing. I mean, it's a complete coincidence, but... Maybe this is what Doomsday would have looked like without all the claws. Well, he is green. Well, Doomsday was gray, but still, yeah. <laughs> I was making a Hulk reference. Um, oh, sorry, no, sorry, okay. sorry. Very... Uh... Never mind. <laughs> Uh, it's one of those jokes that just falls flat, people. Sometimes <laughs> it happens. Uh, um, well, yeah. You made a Hulk joke on a Superman show. I apologize. Well, at least we know David will listen now. Maybe he'll, for- maybe yeah, he'll forgive yeah. me for the, the previous. Probably not, but you're uh, right. Page 27, a nice close-up image of Ali in panel 4. 
it looks like Ali, but it doesn't look like Adams was tracing a photo, which I just absolutely love. Right. It's pretty, pretty, pretty. Pages 28 and 29, we have the alien space chickens, which made me laugh. <laughs> and a cameo by Adam Strange, which, yes. of all the characters in the DCU, picking Adam Strange is a little peculiar. Yeah, but it's cool. Yeah. But yeah, I can see why you yeah, you wouldn't ex- you wouldn't expect it. I don't I don't know. It's kind of weird. I love the aliens in the big double panel or double page spread mm-hmm. panel. It's like the clear heads. Yeah. They've got like it looks like green kind of skin uh, um sort of surrounding this giant almost like a glass bowl skull. You can see the brains floating around in it, and you can even see where parts of the brains connect to the eyes yeah. to uh, for their vision. That is awesome, and I can see why this is the only page they exist. But <laughs> that is really hard freaking... to draw consistently. Oh, yeah, but they're freaking awesome. And then right next to the chickens, you have the guys, you have the aliens that look like uh, sunny side up eggs. Mm-hmm. Which is ironic, considering they're next to the chickens. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, then you got a, a race that looks all like, uh, oh, I can't think of his name, uh, uh, Hammond. Hector Hammond. Hector Hammond. Like Hector Hammond made love yes. with Smurfette and had children. Yes, yes, Hector Smurfs. And um, I guess those kids just kind of look like Mr. Fantastic. So yeah, just normal kids with really stretchy arms. Yeah, that might just be how they look. But, yeah, it, these are awesome. And then the weird plant creatures. Yeah, um... <laughs> uh, what's his name? God, you know, I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> I can't think of names today. Adam Strange? Uh, that's the one. Okay. Adam Strange is the only human look, humanoid-looking alien that you see. Yes. Now I've I tried to look too at those ships to see if I recognized anything from like any movies or TV shows. Oh, I didn't even think about that. The longer one looks somewhat familiar f- to something, but I'm not sure what. I don't think it's it doesn't look like a Star Wars one. The phallic looking one? Yeah. Thanks. Uh yeah, that's the one. <laughs> It it looks like something uh, like a ship I've seen on something before, but I honestly couldn't tell you. I'm not enough of a sci-fi geek to really tell you. Yeah, it, I mean, it, heck, it could be a Battlestar Galactica thing. I haven't seen Battlestar Galactica since the '80s. Yeah. So anyway, moving right along. Oh, page twenty. No, we already talked about page twenty-nine, didn't we? Page thirty. My only note for this page. No, I guess I have two notes for this page. Let's just start that over, shall we? <laughs> sure thing. <laughs> page 30, whack-a-ding-hoy. I'm going to assume that's some kind of 70s colloquialism that's just simply gotten lost in the decades since. Probably for the better. Oh, <laughs> uh, too much red sun makes scrub whack-a-ding-hoy. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's an old space proverb. <laughs> apparently. Uh, Earthman say whack-a-ding-hoy. <laughs> Con- Earthman Confucius say, ah. And your other note? Um. Oh, well, Jimmy and Lois are here 
lamenting that Earth's going to get destroyed. I'm not sure what they're worried about. They're not even on Earth. So if it gets blown up, they're going to be okay. They're, <laughs> they're safe. They're on Bodachi. Yeah. So what, what, what yeah. are they worried about? Uh, exactly. <laughs> I hadn't even caught that. <laughs> I also think it's interesting that out of the entire universe, yes. they were chosen to be the news people for this yeah. galaxy-wide You've got a galaxy broadcast. full of trillions upon trillions of life forms, and you're going to pick Jimmy Olsen to do your color commentary? I know, I know, I know, I know. It's like, okay, I, I could understand bringing in Lois and maybe Jimmy being the, the backup or the second string guy or whatever, but to him be the lead guy was a little weird. Yeah. I mean, I know he's a full-fledged reporter by this point, but he's still... Jimmy Olsen. He's still newer. Yeah, he's still Jimmy. <laughs> so, Former porcupine lad. Porcupine boy, whatever he was. Uh, and elastic lad, and werewolf boy, and a woman. <laughs> so, you just, I don't know. Page. I mean, yay for him, but still. Yeah. Page 31, as you pointed out in the uh, synopsis, we have a Howard Cosell cameo, which I really liked seeing. He was. And he wasn't on the cover, which I guess they had to get him in somewhere. Yeah. I mean, he was. Is Howard Cosell still alive? No. Okay. He was, I mean, he, but in the 70s, he was as big a name in the sporting world as, well, maybe not as big a name as Ali, but, you know, he was a very big name in the sporting world, not for playing sports, but... He was infamous for being a sportscaster. Yes. Yes. Not everyone agreed with him, <laughs> but, yeah, he was a, he was an, he was a well-known sportscaster. And I, on that note, I don't know if it was coincidence or intentional or if I'm just reading into it, but... Were they trying to get Jimmy and his announcing dialogue to emulate Cosell in his unique speech? That could be. Um, I haven't seen a lot of Cosell's stuff, and I meant to watch a little bit on YouTube. I know it's there's stuff on YouTube that he's done. Mm-hmm. Including, it's in, ver- including some interviews he did with Muhammad Ali, which are fun to watch. Yes, and in, actually also including when he announced the... Uh, the death of John Lennon mm. on Monday Night Football. Yeah. But, yeah, that I could totally... Yeah, the way they break some of the words up, it is hot, it is humid, it is steamy, it is 104 in the shade. It's a terrible afternoon for boxing, yet that is what is happening here today. I don't even know if I'm sounding like him, but, yeah... That I could totally see that they're doing okay, that. Okay, good. Well, Especially throwing him on the page like that as a reference. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's really no reason for him to be there. <laughs> if all the Earth is watching this thanks to the cast, the newscast that Jimmy and Lois are doing, there really is no other reason for him to be there. Well, in the original script, he had a whole subplot where he tried to take Jimmy out and replace him and there was a, a thing with red kryptonite, but they had to cut that because they only had 72 pages. So. <laughs> uh, the, the, of course The ghost did. of Mort Weisinger lives on. Yay! It was all an imaginary part of the story anyway. Uh, page 32, they make reference to Perry being a Golden Gloves finalist. And I googled this and could not find a story that it's referencing, but it has to be referencing a story. So if, if oh, anyone out there knows, uh, write into the show or email me, whatever you want to do. But write in because I'm very curious. It, it has to be a reference to something. 
I didn't even think it was a reference to something. I thought it was just one of those things that they just kind of revealed here, and then you'll never hear about it again. Oh, you think? Yeah. Because mm. you don't... There's not much Perry White stories in this era from before Superman was around, other than when it was Superboy. So, I don't know. It just sounds like something yeah. to... To give him a, it's just it's like something they came up with to just give him a reason to be in the story because he hasn't been in it the whole time. Yeah, it could be. Hmm. But then again, it could be a reference to something. So I'll let you know if I get something. <laughs> Speaking of whites, is O.J. White a real person? I tried to Google that as well and couldn't come up with anything. But there were when um, I, when you Google O.J. White, you get a lot of O.J. Simpson White Bronco results. They kind of <laughs> they, they kind of clog, of course you clog do. up the result search. So. You know, I don't know, but I, I just assumed he was because of the fact that they mentioned him being part of the U.S. Olympic team. Yeah, I mean, it's very specific. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't even think to look because I just assumed he was. Just like I assumed Angelo Dundee and Herbert Muhammad and Bundini Brown were all real. Yep, they were all part of his of, of uh, Muhammad Ali's entourage. And unfortunately, so, they're all dead now. And it's weird that Muhammad Ali, the guy that took years of abuse in the ring and, and hits to the head would outlive the rest of them. But. <laughs> Especially since Bundi, or Bundini was a uh, poet as well. Yeah, apparently he wrote a lot of Ali's rhymes. Maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. Maybe he wrote that he stings like a butterfly and sings like a bee, but <laughs> Ali got it backwards. Uh, you never know. They had a bad cell connection, and Ali just got it wrong. <laughs> That's what it is. In fact, his poem here, there are no words for how we feel. So we... Wait. So we're going to fight and no... never squeal, but mark my words and mark them well. Both champs will knock those lousy scrubs to, well, you know where. <laughs> Thank you. That's pretty cool. Yes. Although the rhythm is off. Mark my words. Yeah, up until the end. Mark my words and mark them well. Both champs will knock the scrub to. The, the word lousy shouldn't be in there because that throws. Yeah, that's that's where throw. Everything's fine until you hit that word lousy. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, pages thirty. Maybe it's just how you say it. It could be. Maybe, <laughs> We're not saying it right because it's the twenty. Maybe century. if you read that in Bodachian, it. There you go. Yeah, in in the alien languages and stuff, it would have been fine. Um, page 33, I like Superman's robe and wouldn't say no to having one of those myself. I'm, oh, with the big S even shield Even though I'm it? not a boxer. That would be cool. They never put their arms in the thing. What's the point? Just give them a blanket. Well, they can't put their arms in them because they got the boxing gloves on. I know, so they just, just give them blankets. That's what I'm saying. Or, 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 or a snuggie. A snuggie. Yeah. Well, the Snuggies can, have can the arms, too. Can you imagine the ring in a Snuggie? <laughs> oh, especially if it was a Superman Snuggie. A Superman Snuggie. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Actually, with those muscles he's got, he'd probably actually make it look about right. Probably, yeah. He wouldn't need the, the printed muscles. He could just... No, yeah. He could just wear it. Oh, I meant to say this earlier. More of a story point. And now it's just a good time to need to bring it up, I guess, but... We're we're all familiar with the typical you know crossover cliche of heroes are in the same book they fight and then join forces to defeat the villain and it's interesting that they kind of 
put a twist on that here in that they're not fighting because of a misunderstanding. It's actually part of the plot. Yes, that it is a nice way to keep the trope but turn it on its yeah. head. Uh, pages 34 to 36, not a whole lot to say about these pages. I mean, they're a key moment of the book, but it's hard to have notes about a fight. I will compliment Adams's art, and these pages are well laid out and more more like the classic Adams than the pages I've nitpicked earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm wondering, too, if maybe it's just because of his comfort level. He seems to be better with the more realistic fighting and stuff, and maybe he just has a problem with having to come up with those super things. Hmm. It could be. I mean, he his claim to fame is Batman. Mm-hmm. And, well, he was a, he was well, a Superman I, artist first, but... Yeah, but that was just covers. Yeah. The 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 real big in, the real well then again he also did Green Lantern and Green Arrow, and he did X Men. So I don't know. Just forget I said anything. <laughs> Keep going. It might come as a surprise. I mean, I know, like what you said earlier, that even without his powers, Superman doesn't really have a chance of beating Ali. But it it. it might kind of come as a surprise that Superman loses here, because you're not you're not mm-hmm. expecting it because he's the superhero. It makes total sense because he's just a guy. I mean, maybe a guy in top physical form and, and a better fighter than me, but he's <laughs> he's still not going to be better than a trained fighter. So it makes sense, but it's just kind of a surprise. Especially one that's better than just about all of the other trained fighters. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, and he's basically only had like two hours to learn, yeah. or two days, where I, I guess by the time that they stopped them, it roughly would have been only two days, yeah. so two days of learning, so yeah. You really get a sense in the art here, though, of the absolute beating that Superman takes, and his determination to not fall down. Even though he loses, he comes off as, as really, truly having given his all in the fight, which I really, really, oh, yeah. really, really liked. And you never see Superman take a pounding like this in any of any other comic no. at this time. No. He never he I mean he might get hit but once and he goes flying, not something like this. And you also see his hair get messed up. And usually his hair stays very much in pl- I mean I I'm trying I'm actually kind of being serious. You never see his hair get messed yeah. up except maybe when he's flying at like uber super speed. So seeing it being all disheveled while he's getting hit to kind of signify the force of these blows is just another rarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, page 37, we have another great likeness of Ali at the bottom when he's yelling mm-hmm. at the aliens. I like that. Yeah, I think that's one that sort of gets reused once or yeah, twice later more on in, the in the book. book. I didn't make a note of it, but I, I did notice that when I was... I think it's when he's shouting, saying he's the best. Page 55. Okay. <laughs> I, I just found it, yeah. Anyway, uh, page 38, this is a, a, a beautiful splash. I mean, it's absolutely heartbreaking seeing Superman being carried out on a stretcher, and he's just so bloodied and battered that it, it's almost hard to look at. But, but mm-hmm. that's what makes it work. It, it's just a really, really powerful image. And you've got the blood spots mm-hmm. on his little pillow. Yeah. And the left side of his face is all kinds of distorted because of the, uh, the bruises. Yes. I'm not even sure that if he was conscious, he could see out of those eyes right Probably now. Probably not. The, the, the left, his left eye would definitely be swollen shut. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, this is, you know, you mentioned him earlier. This is definitely almost doomsday level bruising yes. on Superman. Yeah. And I love that Ollie and Perry White, who is still smoking a cigar, by the way, are just shoving the aliens out of the way so that Superman can be carried out of the arena. <laughs> Yay, Perry. He's a hero. Now, they've taken the blood spots out of the reprint. Oh, they did? That's yeah. surprising. Surprised they didn't add more in. I know. I was, that's, why, that's why I was looking at it. I mean, they made the bruises look a little more realistic, more purpley and mm-hmm. stuff. But, um, yeah, the little blood spots on the pillow are gone. That's yeah, too bad. Yeah, but Perry's it's still also, kicking It's butt. also surprising that I'm sad about the blood being taken out. <laughs> it's like, that's a shame. <laughs> Dang it. Because I think yeah, you said maybe we were maybe we were off the air at that point, but the the coloring is pretty much accurate. I, they, yeah, they they basically used the uh, used the original as a guide for what colors to put where, mm-hmm. and um, just updated the colors. Now it's not I mean it's not perfect. Uh, Perry's Perry White's uh, outfit is completely gray. Yeah, I just noticed that. And they do some weird stuff with his hair to make it look a little more realistically graying brown hair than just the having the sides of it like white highlights and stuff. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, so it's not completely perfect. But yeah, they use it as a guide. So, but yeah, so I'm if they had it right there, I'm surprised they took it out, especially this day and age. They, I figured they would have had a more of a puddle sitting there. Um, jumping ahead, my next note's over on page 40. Uh, let's see. I've got one. Yeah, I don't have anything until 43. Okay. Page 40, this is another one of my favorite moments in the book when this narration here. Um, do you care if I just read it? No, go for it. As one, as the one grabs, this is when Superman has been loaded into the ship and the, the ship is rocketing away from the... Uh, Padachi. And it says, As the one grav ship roars spaceward, 10,000 arms snap to salute. No imperial order summoned them. In fact, Emperor Ratlar would be outraged if he knew. It was Ratlar who decided Superman would return in this antique rust bucket. A loser ship for a loser, he decreed. Yet these soldiers stand in silence until the ship disappears from sight. In their hearts, there is a special place for this alien warrior. And when fighting men sit around cook, cook fires on distant outposts, they'll tell about the man who would not fall down. I just love that. That's pretty cool. I like the little bit of narration before that. Um, it kind of oh, with each of the characters. Yes. Yeah, it kind of gave me that death of Superman thing. Mm-hmm. Kind of a what it does. You know when he when he dies, and they're like to one who was a friend, to one who was a lover, yeah. to one who was their son. And this one, it's like, now hope is all that is alive for a man who was almost like a father. For Jimmy. Almost that total, right, for Jimmy. Almost that total man who might make a, yeah, almost that total man who might make a total woman feel complete for Perry. I mean, Lois. Almost the greatest hero in the eyes of a man who met all the great ones for Perry. Almost a man who no one would mind losing to for Ali. And almost the one man who could save the Earth and possibly the universe from tyranny over Ratlar. Very last couple panels of Death definitely, of Superman to definitely. me. Uh, so what did you have for 43? 
Oh, the goddess showing up. Seemed rather pointless. Yeah, I didn't really get it either. I mean, it, it, it is Superman and Muhammad Ali fighting robots and aliens for the fate of Earth not epic enough? Do you, do you have to bring in a, a Greek goddess for a referee? I, I don't get it. And she doesn't do anything. Yeah. She helps set up the race, and then that's it. And then she just is in a background person and disappears. Hmm. Granted, they point out when she disappears, but she disappears. It's kind of it's kind of a pointless. I mean, I don't see yeah. why they even put her in. She here. shows up, and you don't actually see her again. I'm jumping ahead. Okay, you see her in one in the background of one panel. Bunch of Superman fighting in outer space. Riveting podcasting. <laughs> you see her. You see her you in see the it. background of one panel, and then the next time you see her, she's she's leaving. There is uh, she. She does show up in a couple of other spots while they're showing the fight going on in the ring. Oh, just in the background. Yeah, but it's like. Yeah, you see her from the back, and she's a really small oh, okay. image, and maybe only from like the waist down. So you see her skirt, and that's about it. I mean, it's like basically they make a big deal to introduce her, and then she's reduced to cameo for the rest yeah, of the story. Yeah, she doesn't actually do anything in the story. And in fact, this is uh, was forty three or so is basically right around the point where she stops having lines. Mm-hmm. Once the fight starts, she no longer speaks. Yeah. Hmm. It's, yeah, it's redundant, in my humble opinion. Anyway, yeah, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense at all. Uh, page 46? Oh, the two-page yes. spread? Uh-huh. Even though I'm not really a fan of this technique of using the photographs as part of the art, you know, like they did here yeah. in the background, the it, I think it works here. And the first and third images on the bottom of the page are, again, very good lines of Ali. Mm-hmm. And the second one looks a little weird. The second one looks a little weird. And the fourth one... The fourth one, looks... I wasn't sure that it was supposed to be him at first. <laughs> it almost looks like a bad 90s drawing. A little bit. Yeah. But this uh, dialogue here, too, is very good. Mm-hmm. You, you can tell that Adam's either... Studied, really studied Ali in his, you know, his uh, his uh, rants, his his boastful rants, or he had help from Ali or one of his people in writing this because it, it just it reads like something Ali would go on about. Oh yeah, I would say he'd had to have help. I mean, this is just too perfect. And now that I think about, wasn't part of the reason Ali agreed was because he was a Superman fan, wasn't he? Is it? I don't know. I don't know. It's not my wiki. (laughs) (laughs) If it's not in Wikipedia, it's not important to know. Yes, and if it's not, and if it is in Wikipedia, it's only 75% of it is true, (laughs) if that. But yeah, this, and actually the photograph looks, is actually one of the best ones that they've been able to recreate using the limited comic printing they had at the time. I mean, you can see some pretty good detail on his face. And it really just, it also brings home how good the likenesses of him have been in the book when you can actually see him. Mm 
Definitely. That's pretty awesome. And really, I'm comparing... I haven't been doing this the whole show, but I'm comparing the original to the reprint of this page. And the... I don't really like the recoloring in the background. They've made it all purple. Where in the original, it's got purple and it's got some shades of pink for highlighting. Well, I'm, I was wondering if the pink is highlighting or if the pink is just because they couldn't get the... Oh, like a printing color. Printing mistake? Yeah, like a printing... Not not so much a mistake, just, cause, just that they couldn't get a good enough purple to stay purple the whole time. Oh. That could be... I don't know. It's a good accident if it if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. At least in my opinion. I you're you're right. Some of the 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 fact that they couldn't do it as a flat color just because of the way the printing was back then, I think it kind of gives it a little more life. Mm-hmm. The perfect purple of the digital version, like you said, just makes it look a little less real. Yeah. Well, all through the the reprint, you know, they've added they've added the computer effects to the, the coloring of the main story to give it that more mm-hmm. dimension. But then on this, it's just there's nothing. So exactly, yeah, it it just it's almost like if they could have actually gotten the original photos and put that in the background, mm-hmm. um, and instead of doing the purple thing, just actually use the real photos because you know by the time they did the reprint, of course, that they could have actual printed actual full-color photos right. and not have any problems. Although that would have bugged me because just having a photo show up in the middle of a comic book when the rest is illustrated. But yeah. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. It, it It's kind of one of those things It's like, darned if you do, damned if you don't. Page 48, did Superman just say, chew on that meatball? Really? <laughs> well, see, we didn't know it was Superman. I don't care. <laughs> no one should. No one should say "chew on that meatball." No one should say that yes, he, ever. He, he did. He did say that. Yes. <sighs> Sorry. Uh, my next note's not till over on page fifty-two. Um, I don't really have anyone any either, other than the fact that Ali basically gets the tar beaten out of him, and once again, when they want to show reactions, they keep showing Lois and Jimmy with shocked looks on their faces. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that they're going to get stuck that way. Because <laughs> uh, it's basically the same as they had the whole time during the Superman fight. And the only sound effect you get the whole time is thud, 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 ding, ding. Mm-hmm. Well, I took that to be like, um, what's his name? Hanya is just so, you know, solid that... Well, it's yeah. like hitting a sack of potatoes, basically. Well, see, here's the other thing. Okay, now, Hanya is supposed to be the perfect warrior or whatever. We saw a demonstration of him hitting a wall and denting it. I'm thinking he should have been able to knock Ali out with just with just a couple punches. So maybe this is showing Ali's resolve, but he should have had his head torn off. Yeah. He's the he's the and, greatest of all time. I know. <laughs> he's the greatest there ever was. I knew I was never heavyweight heavyweight champion of the world. Well, that's a good point. And and, and Ali was going to destroy, but still. And meanwhile, you've got Rattler looking like the DJ floating around up top. It's just mm-hmm. um, you know spinning some discs while they fight it out. Fifty two is great. This though. 
it's my biggest problem with the book. I mean, how did they have time to switch Bandini Brown and Superman? And where did they get the spare Superman costume? And where did they get the Bandini Brown mask and the Superman mask for Bandini to wear? And if Superman was so beaten in his fight with Ali, how did he recover so quickly? I'm willing to overlook a lot when I read comics. I think I think you mm-hmm. have to be, especially when you read older books. But this is one of the things that bugs me every time I read this. And I really like this book. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking that's more of that uh, summer blockbuster, just ignore it and you'll be glad you did type of thing. Because <laughs> it makes no sense to me either. He was... I mean, obviously that wasn't him in the oxygen tent. But... Yeah, oh, he got. That's a good point. They would have not only had to have a Superman mask, but they would have had to have a Superman mask that exactly mirrored the injuries Superman got in the fight. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> I really need, yeah, to, really need that... to stop thinking about it. Yeah, you've been podcasting long enough to know you need to not do that. I suppose. <laughs> just pretend. Just pretend it's a radio show. And you're just skipping over some of the parts, like some time has passed, and some time like has that. passed. Or oh. <laughs> if we want to link it back to Superman and boxing, there was the early Superman story from the newspaper strips, where the down on his luck boxer Superman imitated the boxer to help him get back on track, and he like dressed up as the boxer, and then there was the scene where he was in the guy's apartment and hanging like from the uh the overhang on the door while the while the thugs oh, yeah. are in the apartment. It's like how how do you not see a full grown man a third <laughs> above your head when you anyway. <laughs> that was reprinted in Superman two or three. Yes. I don't remember in yes. colorized, but yes. Mm-hmm. Uh page fifty three we have a an unusual moment here when Superman is getting used to being powerless. Not unusual in that it doesn't seem natural. They just they didn't do this kind of thing much then. I mean, even when he did lose his powers, he, he wasn't prone to making this kind of blunder. Yes. Um, even when he did lose them, he, would ju- he usually was pretty good at adapting. Yeah. So this was kind of weird to see it, but yeah. And he's very fortunate that there was an invisible light bridge. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd be dead. Uh, page that it almost was thrown in. It almost feels like it was just thrown in there because they needed a little something to fill the space. It could be, yeah. But I like those little moments. I mean, it, it's human, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mind. Like oh yeah. Uh, even though it is kind of slapstick comedy at, at times. Um, <laughs> page fifty-five. Let me ask you something. Oh wait a minute! Oh, wait sorry. a minute! Wait a minute! Before you ask me okay. that, page fifty-four. I'm sorry if people don't like this, but when Superman goes in and is about to take out uh, the pilot of the ship, and he kisses his fist first, I had to chuckle. That was cool. (laughs) He's a bruised Superman. Granted, judging by the coloring, the bruises are almost gone, but he goes in there and he's kissing his fist before he punches the guy. How are they healing so quickly, though? He hasn't got yellow sunlight back yet. I think that's an art mistake. It could be. Yeah, the uh yeah, it's not supposed to go away till he gets to the yellow side. I think this is just an art mistake. Let me look at that in the reprint. What is that? Way ahead 54? of you. Of course uh, you are. They're a little better, but 
I mean, a little better as in looking worse, but they're still lighter <laughs> than they probably should be. Yeah, and if you notice, even the page before that... When he's taking it, the mask well, off? No, uh, 53, when he's doing the, going to the light bridge. None of that actually even looks like he's hurt. Well, maybe the one where he's remembering the layout of the place, but on 53, oh, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't look like he's hurt. You can't see any kind of bruising at all. Now, granted, it's teeny-weeny, but with it being bigger, you I would have thought that they would have had maybe a shot to fix the coloring. Hmm. Oh, well. Anyway, nitpicking again. Yeah, well, yeah. It, he's not supposed to be clear, uh, getting all cleared up quite yet, not until he gets to the yellow solar system, yeah. or yellow sun system, our solar system. Keep talking. <laughs> Your turn. Um, page 55. Do you think that the use of the word slaves here was a conscious choice on the part of the writers as a means of giving an extra twist of the knife with Ratlar's threat to Ali? Um, I don't know because this, this is the kind of alien bad guy that would make that kind of statement reg- regardless of who he was up against but the fact that but I can I definitely think that it was it played a part in Ali's reaction even though they don't come out and specifically state it in a caption thing about the whole the slave right. thing um, and I'm not trying to brush it off but you know um, instead of being like and of course Ali would have a problem with this due to the fact that he is of uh, African American and therefore he ha- his ancestors and all this stuff but yeah I don't know that they necessarily used it although now that I think about it now that I've said all that other stuff it is a that you that use of the word was a good way to get him to redouble his efforts. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, you know, if this had been Rocky Marciano or, or Jack Dempsey or somebody, slaves wouldn't have carried that same emotional weight that it would for Ali. No, but I think... And maybe I'm just reading way, way too much into it. I don't know. Well, but it's, well, it stuck uh, out to me when I was doing my notes, especially his reaction. I think... Yeah, I think the thing is that if it had been Rocky or someone that wasn't black, um, that it it might still have worked just because you wouldn't want his pe- uh, you know the people of Earth uh, you know it's all on his shoulders, right. and when he realizes that you know if he loses, we could be slaves, regardless of your skin color. I would think that that would make you want to redouble your Mm -hmm. efforts. It might make it a little more because of it being Muhammad Ali, but I would I could see that as being a way to, you know, give the person give the fighter the second wind Mm -hmm. that he needs to win. I'm amazed he didn't break his hands punching uh, Hanya. Three words. Greatest of all time. I guess that's four <laughs> words. Greatest of all time. There you go. There you go. You know, I'm noticing that this that the scrub have a terrible underbite. 
Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> now that I've completely halted the podcast so we can look at their jaws. Okay. <laughs> I like that I like that uh, yeah. the podcast gets derailed about dental work and not slavery conversation. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we have no problem co- talking about the slavery. It's the yeah, oh, they need some braces. Uh, mm-hmm. Page 58, I like this shot of Superman again. And I hate to keep saying this, it's not Adam's best work, but no. it's, it's it's a very dynamic shot as Superman, you know, busts out of the ship and flies towards the camera and you hear the John Williams music. Soaring oh, in yes, the background, me and me too. Despite how you how you may or may not have liked the music from Man of Steel, the John Williams theme is the first thing that popped oh, yeah. in my head. Well, it, it, it in this era, it has to. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But that is one of the pages with the sketches, though. I was going to look at that real quick. That is another very loose one. Okay. So it's Dick Giordano and or nameless inkers. To be blamed. Wow, that, that's a yeah. ve- I mean, for for Neil Adams, that's a very very loose. It, it makes me wonder, because I mean, the thing at the top of the page of this section of the book just says sketches. It's almost like these are just sketches for the layouts. Maybe these aren't the final pencils. Well, maybe. But I don't know. It, I mean, it's pretty darn close. Because if I don't know if if this is the pencils that the inker got, it. it Gives you a whole new level of respect for inkers and what they do. Oh, they're not just yeah. tracing yeah. lines. They're 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 basically they're basically oh, yeah. drawing the thing. Well, I, yeah, I mean, look at I mean, when you look at the next page, because you've got this same yeah. book. When you look at this next page, and he's flying at the ships. In these pencils, they're literally circles, mm-hmm. <laughs> just used to be like this is where the ships yeah. go. But if you look at the actual page, there's different looking ships, and just about all of them have a different look, and there's a lot of them. And then the next panel, where Superman's flying and they see him on the screen, you can see basically like the bridge of the ship, and you can see the controls, and you can see the aliens on there, and you don't have near that much detail in the pencils. So, yeah, if... if if these pencils are what they were given, man, I have a whole new respect for them, for the inkers. Even the panel borders are just, they're not drawn with a, a ruler or any sort of straight object. He just drew a Yeah, just kind of sketched in where they would go, mm-hmm. yeah. But again, like you it's said, they terrible. might just be actual sketches of the pages. We don't know. Yeah, like thumbnails before he actually goes in and draws yeah. them. It the thing that's hard to tell is it's hard to tell if he's used if this is on paper or if it's on actual the the actual comic board because the the design of the actual page that they've got it printed on that the uh not design but they they've got this background on the paper that it's printed on that makes it look like more like paper you can almost see folds and mm-hmm. stuff and that goes right into the pictures of the yeah. artwork and so and without being able to see the very top edge you can't tell if this is full on comic board for official pages or if this is just a sheet of paper where he's putting down his sketches for the for what he's going to draw later and there's no freaking information to say these are sketches. 
from the layouts. It's uh, hmm. uh, getting back to the story. We kind of tangented it off there, didn't we? Pages sixty-two and sixty-three. We have a, a great. Speaking of great shots, there's a great half-page splash of Muhammad Ali KTFOing Hanya, which was really, really well done. Yay! Uh, and my next note's not till over to sixty-eight. I feel bad I'm leaving out a lot of pages, but there's just... Uh, <laughs> well, most of this stuff is just the fighting yeah, and stuff, yeah. so it's hard. Yeah. Page 68. Uh, the, the very first time I read this, which was probably like a century ago at this point, but the very first time I read this, Hanya's turn surprised me, but I really like it. That and the Imperial Guard basically not doing anything on the next page, it sort of takes that bit of narration from earlier that I went on about and just magnifies it. Superman mm-hmm. is respected not just because he refuses to fall down, but because he's a good man who does good. And I really... Part of me really misses the Bronze Age take that Superman was just an epic legend revered throughout the universe, because we really haven't seen that since the Bronze Age ended. Yeah, because he stayed mostly on Earth post-crisis. Yeah. And that's not a slight against... Anything that's come since. I mean, there's a lot of good in the post-crisis stuff as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. But I, I, each era seems to have one or two things that I, I really miss, even if they wouldn't necessarily fit with other eras. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, um... You were saying first time you read this. This is my first time to read really? it. Really? Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. I had not been able to find ah. it anywhere. And then they finally released it in the reprint, and I was excited to be able to read it, and then I just never took the time to read it. Wow. I, until now. It genuinely now. surprises me that you hadn't ever read this. Yeah. Well, sorry. <laughs> well, it's before my time. It's, well, it's before yeah. mine, too. <laughs> Back in my day, well, yeah. Superman couldn't <laughs> jump. He, he could only jump. He couldn't fly. And nothing less than a bursting shell could penetrate his skin, but if he got shot with a missile, he's knocked out. Get off my lawn! (laughs) Superman works for the Daily Star. (laughs) George Taylor, yes. Who's Um, this Wayne Boring character? I don't know. (laughs) Superman was drawn by Schuster. That's all I know. (laughs) Schuster and that Seigel guy wrote it. (laughs) Seigel. Oh, wow. (laughs) Or Shagel, 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 yes. <laughs> Joseph Shagel. No, Jer- Jerome Shagel. That's what it is. Uh, for some reason, the picture of that alien on 69, uh, the alien, Hunya, on 69, makes me think of like a Dan Jurgens piece of art. I don't know which, why. Which? Uh, third panel. One, two, three. Yeah, a little bit. Well, I can Hanya's see that. looking at you. I think it's mostly because uh, Neil Adams was so influential with his artwork in this era that just about, well, not everybody, but a lot of artists, especially the realistic drawing ones, were all had some kind of Neil Adams um, influence in their artwork. Yeah. So that's very, I mean, John Byrne, Dan Jurgens, um, and others. <laughs> Whose names escape me right now? Uh, Jim Aparo had some, had a little bit. Uh, Marshall Rogers had some in there. Uh, yeah. You know, 
just about anyone that had some kind of uh, realistic approach to their artwork. I, I mean, I don't think Ed McGinnis did. Probably not. No, no. Although maybe a little. But maybe a little, but I think he was more into the yeah. anime. But that's way beyond uh, this. The final panel there, look at Superman's face and Lois's face, and a little bit even Jimmy, but mostly Superman and Lois. Those are not Neil Adams' faces. Those are Dick Giordano mm-hmm. faces. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like you know, something I just noticed because I was looking back real quick. The um, on sixty-five, that picture where you know, that close-up of Superman's face when he's trying to, when he's saying he's got to think, got to mm-hmm. think. That looks like Bernie Wrightson to me. A little bit. And. Yeah, so I mean, I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying it looks like Bernie. I mean, granted, I just said that Hunya looks like Dan Jurgens, and Dan Jurgens, I don't think, was even a professional comic book artist at this point. But yeah, that does not look like Neil Adams. The next page, when Superman's flying through the ships, the face on him is not a Neil Adams no. face. I don't know whose that is. Hmm. It almost looks more like a Don Newton, maybe, but. Not Neil Adams. Gosh, it it it, it kind of breaks my heart to be so critical about the art on this book. I mean, it it, it is very all over the place, and it does yeah, give me the feeling there were a lot of hands in the kitchen. Um, but but especially with the delays. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I stand by my compliments from earlier about Ollie's likeness and and some of the more dynamic oh, stuff yeah. that I liked. It's just it's kind of all over the map the way it looks. Oh yeah. Well, see, and, and that's that's it too. We're not saying that the art looks like crap at at any point in this issue. It, there's levels of greatness to it, I guess you could say. Even this one where where Superman's flying through the ships and it does not look, and of course Superman's screaming in space, and Superman is not looking like a Neil Adams face. That is still a really nice face that conve- conveys the emotion and pain he's going through to do this. So I'm, I'm not knocking the art at all. Even when it doesn't look exactly like Adam's work, it still is really good. Mm-hmm. But it's just not Neil Adams. Right. In some parts. Yeah. kind of wish Superman's cape um, was just a little bit longer in that panel, too. Just, just a little bit. Wait, which one? Uh, 667, where he's flying through the ship. Oh, yeah. Yeah, give me, give me, only barely... more inches, Neil. Come on. Just a bit only more. barely covers his yeah. tush. But anyway. His his red underwear. And they color the underwear with the yellow... Uh, Charlie. Not, I know, by this point. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Trunks with the belt loops. Uh-huh. Uh, page 71. What do you think about Ollie figuring out the secret? I don't know that he really needs to know it. It just seems like... It actually seems more like they threw in this page so they could point that out. But... I mean, why not? He's a he, he's a real-life person in a comic book. I yeah. Mean, and in real life, he knows. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, I mean... It, <laughs> so he might as well know it in the comic, too, I guess. I'm kind of the same way. It's completely unnecessary, but I don't mind it. I mean, 
Ollie never obviously never appears again in a comic, and I can't imagine that they harbored any plans that he ever would. So it really doesn't matter. Let him know. I mean, the kids in the '70s that cheered Ollie in his fights and and read Superman comic books probably got a big thrill out of it. So. Oh yeah, they're probably like, oh cool, he knows the his secret identity. Yeah. I mean, it, the the only thing, I, the only real problem I have with it is it just reinforces. The ignorance of Jimmy and Lois, because Superman said that line in, well, so Jimmy could hear it. Lois was still there. Well, Jimmy's Jimmy's not and, smart enough to figure out the X-ray vision stuff. Okay, but Lois was. Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, she just got slapped by an alien, so maybe she was. There you go. Maybe she's slightly deaf. Unconscious. I don't know. There you go. Uh, and then the next page is the two-page spread of them shaking hands. Yes. Hands down, my absolute favorite moment in the entire book. It gives me a big yes. smile every time I read it. Even looking at it now, I'm smiling like, I'm, like an idiot. It was just the perfect way to end the story. If they made a poster of this splash page, I would buy it. Even, e- oh, yeah. even, and that's even though they kind of Adams. botched the dialogue ever so slightly. It's very awesome. Yeah, yeah. It just kind of comes out of nowhere. <laughs> you know it, champ. Superman, we are yeah. the greatest. Well, I think what they should have done, if I can backseat drive for Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill for a minute, on page 71, instead of saying, instead of Superman saying, you know it, champ, he should have said, you know, champ, you really are the greatest. And then Ali says, no, Superman, dot, 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 turn the page, we are the greatest. We are the greatest. Yeah, that would have been better. But just a slight clarification. In my, so we'll just call you Julie in my Schwartz. Head, when I read the book, that's how I read it. Just an FYI. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Now that's very definitely Neil Adams' artwork. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's there for the final page. And the coloring, even on the original, is pretty awesome. Well, the Superman side is kind of given a bonus, or a, a boost, because it's on the the cover stock, so it's a little brighter. Uh, okay. But because uh, the ink doesn't soak into the paper as much. Yeah, and they actually gave him some shading and stuff on his mm-hmm. face. What's this? Gosh, I've I've read this hardcover, but I don't remember the coloring. What's it look like in there? Uh, it looks. Oh, well, they just even like recolored the, the really. cover in this thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine having to go through that. At least the Jackson 5 don't stick out like sore thumbs anymore. Gosh. I don't mean to be insensitive at all, but if you look at the original cover, the Jackson 5 mm-hmm. are very dark in a sea of white, and it's very... Oh, yeah. yeah. In fact, they look like photos thrown in there. A little bit, yeah. Whereas everyone else looks like they're drawn in, they look like photographs. Mm. Especially Michael. Now it's interesting too. Uh, now that we're finished with the, it, it, it does look a lot better in the digital, if you ask me, mm-hmm. since they're both on the same stock of paper now. Yeah, but, I mean, um, having them on the same stock helps, but I, I'm kind of a traditionalist. I like the flatter colors. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of. Um, did you didn't get the big one? The big reprint. No. 
I got the small one. Like, like, I'm kind of wondering if the big one has the is the uh, gets the full recolor too, or if it's the um, you know where they just take pictures of the original. Comic. I don't know for sure, but I would say it's recolored as well. Because I don't Probably. think they would go to the trouble of recoloring it and just and not reprint it both times. You know. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, but you never can tell. Uh, especially with some of the stuff DC's done. But I'm reading this thing in the back here. About the origins of the about book? The, well, the origins of the origins of the cover. Where's that at? Um, right before the sketch page. This is a Jeanette Kahn yeah. thing. Um, let well, me she, see. First, she talks uh, in there about the origins of how the book came about as well. Yes, yes. It's all part of the oh, same okay. thing. Um, let's see. Okay, now, so, and and so we began filling the arena with well-known people of the day, President and Mrs. Jimmy Carter, President Gerald Ford and his wife Betty, Raquel Welsh, Sonny and Cher, Joe Namath, Andy Warhol, Frank Sinatra, Johnny Carson, Lucille Ball, the Jackson Five, but there was a catch. Apparently we needed permission from everyone whose likenesses we were using. Mm. Oops. So it's a good thing Neil had an eraser by his side. So many stars loved the idea of the fight and happily signed on to bear witness, but others unequivocally said no. George C. Scott's profile was already holding sway over the lower left corner of the back cover when he issued a firm refusal. Was there anyone with a similar who looked similar with whom we could replace? The cavalry arrived in the person of Kurt Vonnegut. Yes. Whose crumpled nose was an air match? Kurt Vonnegut as a writer. Slaughterhouse Five. Uh, Oh, okay, okay, okay. And Neil quickly drew the writer where the actor had been, and added his wife Jill. Absolutely not," said Carol O'Connor, who's bowling. Whoa, wait, wait. Yeah. Neil quickly drew the writer where the actor had been and added his wife Jill. I wonder if that his is in reference to Vonnegut or Neil. Either way, the last name's different, so it's hard to tell. <laughs> you keep talking. I will ask the Googles. Okay. Uh, Carol O'Connor also resp- uh, re- did not want him himself on there. His whose bowling shape, whose bowling ball-shaped head had loomed right above Andy Warhol's. Luckily, the great soccer star Pele was playing for the New York Cosmos, a team funded by DC's parent company, Water Communications, and he readily agreed to have his round visage substituted. For the man best known as Archie Bunker. Very good. Joke. So we could have had Archie Bunker on the cover, and instead we got Pele. Mm. Take that as you will. Who, for the longest time, I thought was supposed to be Muhammad Ali. Because <laughs> I thought, you know, or, or Cassius Clay, I guess you're saying. Because, you know, you got Superman and Muhammad Ali in the ring, and then I thought, okay, you've got Clark Kent there on the cover, and then Cassius Clay on the back cover. It, 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 it made sense to me at the time. Right. Uh, but Jill Crimmins is Kurt Vonnegut's wife, according oh, okay. to Wikipedia and or Google. Was his wife, I guess. And or Google? Well, depending on who you want to ask. Okay. Now, it's it's kind of funny. They say they've got the cast of Welcome Back, Cotter, but I'm only seeing about two of the guys. Horshack. Yeah. Uh, let's see what numbers are they. Uh, right above John, Donnie and Marie. Johnny and Marie. Yep. Welcome back. 46. Welcome back. Welcome back. That was lovely. 
Um, Never let it be said. I don't go above and beyond to make your show awesome. I don't. I don't <laughs> well, see any of the. God I don't see any that. of the welcome back cutters. Um. Do you see Donnie Marie? How can you miss them? Well, they're right above Donnie Marie. Oh, okay. At least the two right I see. Johnny Thunder. Please tell me that's Johnny Thunder. That's Jack Larson. Oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, well, that's weird. They've got Jack Larson. Noel Neal is right above. If you if you look at Marie Osmond and go straight up, there's a woman there. That's Noel mm-hmm. Neal. And then Kirk Allen is yep, two I... two people to her right. Yep, right above Jack yeah. Larson. And looking very much like I don't know Superman. Oh, they're Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, Earth two. If you go over to Siegel and Schuster, who are right there. And go up one person. There's a guy in like a gray suit and a blue tie. That mm-hmm. pointing. Oh wait, no, no, wait, no. wait. See where Siegel and Schuster are. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. On the back cover. I lost. Yeah, I know. Trying to find them real quick. Okay, go go to the lower left corner. You see Kurt Vonnegut. Mm-hmm. Big nose. Mm-hmm. Okay, go one row up. There's a guy with brown hair and a blonde woman. Now go one more row up. Mm-hmm. That's Schuster and Siegel. Okay. okay. I go up one more row. There's a guy with like a big forehead and smiling. Burt Reynolds. Nope. That is Jay oh. Emmett, who was a uh, muckety muck uh, vice president with Time Warner. He was a uh, pretty key figure when Neil Adams and Jerry Robinson and the rest were rallying around Siegel and Schuster in the mid '70s, trying to get their credit back in, in compensation. Mm-hmm. From what, from, from what I've read and what's been said, Emmett was one of the few people at Warner's that was pretty sympathetic to the cause from the very beginning. And I remember reading something, it's been a while back, but apparently Emmett said at one point that, you know, we might not owe them anything from a legal standpoint, but on a moral level, we sure do. And I think I, th- I, think I saw something with Jerry Robinson where, where he gave a lot of credit to Jay Emmett for getting the deal through eventually. So it's ni- maybe that's in the Krypton Chronicles. Maybe, but it's nice that he's so close to Siegel and Schuster since he had a lot. That is cool. Uh, Emmett was actually a. Here's a fun and ironic note. Emmett was a nephew of Jack Leibowitz. Ooh. And on the other side of Emmett's family, uh, one of his uncles was Ira Schnapp, who was a long-time DC letterer and logo designer going all the way back to like the, yes. the 40s, if not even the 30s. He was one of the ones that came up with uh, the, the Superman logo. Yeah, some, some, sorts, some sources credit him for that, yeah. Now, now you see the guy next to him that looks like Columbo? Mm-hmm. He's not credited with a number. Yeah, see, that, that's, that's... I'm thinking that's Columbo without giving Peter permission. Fred, yeah, that's got to be somebody. Yeah. The problem is that we're looking at it <laughs> in 2013, right. and these are people as they looked and popular people of the time in 1977-78. So no one's going to look quite right. right. And, and they look a lot more alive here than they are now, like Jerry Garcia and Julie Schwartz and Sonny. Bono. Jerry Garcia? Jerry Garcia's not on the cover. Yeah. Isn't that the guy with the big hair? Right there, right by right the above. ring post? 
No, yeah. that's William Gaines. Oh, that's who I was <laughs> going to say next. They kind of look alike, but... Uh, oh, that should have been him. Oh, right next... Of course, he's right next to... Uh, what's his face? Um, Joe Welch? Alfred, oh, Alfred, Alfred E. Newman. Newman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but the ones they're not identifying, they've got to be somebody, somebody famous or, you know, a, a, a big-name comic creator that just didn't want their name mentioned because there are people, like, if you look at the index, they've got the names and then there's a little key to show you if they're a showbiz personality or the DC staffer. They've got DC staffers and Neil Adams continuity associates that no one has heard of. They've got some people like Joel Adams, Jason Adams, Christine Adams, Zia Adams, who I assume are all relatives of Neil Adams that aren't referenced, Mm -hmm. that aren't, you know, given any kind of indication. So if it was just a friend of Neil Adams, they would have listed the name, you know. Yeah. So like, and there's this one section where I swear to you, I see the four Beatles, Yoko Ono, and who someone who looks like Stevie Wonder from the time period. Right there, right on the front cover below Muhammad Ali's legs. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look on the inside, those are the characters that do not have any indications mm-hmm. of who they are. Yeah, that's got to be the Beatles. I mean, you've got Paul. We, it looks Paul's like the top, him. John and Yoko, and then mm-hmm. the other two. Uh, Ringo yeah. and Ringo and George, and then Stevie mm-hmm. Wonder in the red, in the red with the sunglasses right next to Ringo. And I'm guessing that woman next to Paul would probably be Linda. Probably. Were they married at this point? Uh, if they weren't, they were. They, I know they were in Wings by this point. I would imagine. If Tony is listening, he's screaming at his iPod. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. We don't. We we don't know these things as well as you do. But yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of people. It's just there. There. So there's a lot of people too that they just didn't get permission to use, but instead of taking them out, they just didn't credit it so they can be like yeah that just looks similar it's just such a classic cover but the thing is I think it's really only so classic and so iconic because of all the cameos Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's I mean it's not the look of Superman and Muhammad Ali obviously now that's I'm guessing that that's supposed to not be Lex Luthor no it is it's Luthor Teddy Savalas next to Batman Oh, perfect sense. I always thought it was Teddy Savalas. It can be Teddy Savalas if you want it to be Teddy Savalas. Maybe it would have been if he had got if he had given permission. Perhaps. I the the thing is though, I feel bad for the DC legal department who had to go through and get permission from all these yeah. people to be in the comic. Yeah. I don't know why you'd say no, unless you didn't like how the art turned out. Is that Mary Tyler Moore next to Lucille Ball? It doesn't say because they only give credit to Lucille Ball. Probably it's supposed to be. Looks like Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. I think I see Carrie Bates in there. No, he's not on there. Yep. Um, All the way on the right. Where? Front cover? Yep, front cover. Where's Elliot S. With the little goatee. Where's Elliot S. Megan? Down below him? That's good. Behind. uh, uh, let me see. <laughs> Jimmy Carter. Uh, let me see if it we have him in there. 
I know he's in there. I could have sworn I saw his name. Even any Nelson Bridwell in there, so he's got to be in there. Uh... It's weird the people that they would make so prominent on the cover. Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor uh-huh. and Batman, I can understand, but you've also got Sonny Bono, Lucille Ball, Jimmy Carter. I mean, those are the most prominent ones you see when you look at it. Fonzie. And for some reason, they put Cher on the back cover. Uh, they were divorced at this point, weren't they? Okay. Well, yeah, but she was... Who's the guy next to Christopher Reeve? Johnny Carson? Okay. Well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Stan Lee m- makes sense-ish. People who have never seen or, or, or who don't have the book in front of them are going to be absolutely... Bored to yes. tears by this section, yes. Now, I'm not seeing uh, Elliot S. Megan listed on the thing. I wonder why. Hmm. Well, I know in 76 he had left the Superman comics oh, yeah, in a bit of a huff because of being rewritten on oh, a story. And he was—he would have been working on the novel at this on this first novel at this point. So that that could be it, because yeah, he's not listed on this hmm. list. He could be drawn in there somewhere. We just—he's just not given credit though. But anyway, one, that one more thing I wanted was, to bring up, oh, and maybe okay. I should have asked you this before, but this book was referenced in a Spider-Man issue about two years mm-hmm. after this was published. It was Amazing Spider-Man number 186. Uh, Spider-Man is approached by a woman who looks suspiciously like Jeanette Kahn, and she says she represents a comic book company and wants to put him in a book with Leon Spinks, who I think at that point was still champion. Spider-Man declines, saying that he's heard of her company and that by the time they got the book out, someone else will be champ. A rub at the fact that that's uh, what happened with this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, well done, and Spidey. And then he works in a plug that he just sold his likeness rights to the to the electric company for an educational comic, which you know shamelessly plugs his own book. But he sold out. Not to mention, he can't do that. <laughs> Overall, though, I just really, really did like this book. I mean, I make no pretense that it's uh, a deep story or one driven by characterization or plot. It's just. I admit it's it's right. big, dumb, completely implausible comic book fun, but it makes me feel like a kid again every time I read it. And you know, despite the fact that I I don't think it's his best work, Adams and his art team or art army, I guess at this point, really delivered on the <laughs> art. And while it has been reprinted in a smaller size, I would recommend tracking down the original tabloid size, even if it's an old beat up copy, because the the nice condition copies of the tabloid can go pretty high uh, on eBay from what I've seen, but you know, it's a big story and it, it the big art just really complements it. Yeah, I would recommend doing the same thing. Um, I've only got the smaller version, but I would imagine, just from looking at some of the other tabloid editions that I have, the you can't match seeing it in the bigger tabloid uh-huh. version. It lets the art breathe. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was really cool too, The uh, f- for my first time really getting a chance to read it. Um, it definitely sets the time period because of the guest star of the cameos and the person he's up against. But other than that, I mean, if you just look at it as like a little time capsule, yeah, a summer blockbuster time capsule. That's just 
really cool. We didn't really talk about it in the notes at all, but there's a lot of... Uh, occasionally in the book, they'll have bits of dialogue or you know pop culture references to Star Wars and Lost in Space that kind of dated as well, but they're not yes, too obtrusive. The, uh, like when Muhammad Ali sees the spaceships. Yes. Looks like a combination of Star Wars and a, I believe he says a pregnant vacuum uh, cleaner. Pregnant blender, maybe? Some that's sort of it, pregnant bl- blender. Yeah, something household. But yeah, and that's that's how that works. Um, let's see. So, um, well, I don't have anything more to say. Do you have anything else you wanted to um, say? Um, not really. I mean, I, <laughs> it's just big, dumb fun, and people will, people have and, and will continue to make fun of the story, and I can totally understand why they poke fun at it. It's completely ludicrous, but haters going to hate, and I'm going to continue to defend it for being fun and, and not taking itself too seriously, which is something that is seriously lacking from many forms of entertainment these days. So, Exactly, yes. Well, um, I just Hi. closed my notes. I'm still recording. <laughs> Special cameo by Charlie's wife, everybody. Yes, yay! Say, everyone say hi, hi to Angie. Angie. Hi, Angie. Oh, <laughs> uh, She's still here, so she's going to be on here for a while. She's laughing. Aw. Now she's blushing. Oh. Okay, stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're. Th- face was yeah, I was pretty shocked that you said anything. Okay, um, that's going to end the Superman portion. Next up, J. David Weeder is going to present yet another exciting adventure of Superboy and the Legion in the Bronze Age. The Adventures of Superboy. Exciting stories of Superman when he was a boy, who even as an infant demonstrated powers and abilities far beyond the capabilities of Earthlings. Superboy, who as Clark Kent, mild-mannered foster son of Martha and Jonathan Kent, preserves the secret of his true identity and devotes his superpowers to the prevention of crime, the preservation of peace, and the pursuit of truth. Well, hello there. Welcome back to Superboy in the Bronze Age. I'm J. David Weeder, wandering through the adventures of the Tina Steel alongside those 31st century or 30th century, depending on your continuity, superheroes, the Legion of Superheroes. I think I just made myself redundant. Anyway, this week, or this episode, or whatever the heck it is, we are looking at Superboy starring the Legion of Superheroes number 207, which is the March 1975 edition. And we are looking at the story, The Rookie Who Betrayed the Legion, which is written by Carrie Bates with art by Mike Grell. Now I'm just going to be upfront with you, there's there's no subterfuge in this. I mean, it's pretty much right on the cover, literally. Uh, we have a science police officer standing outside the Legion meeting with the colossal boy's hand coming down on him saying, There's a spy among us! And he's made a colossal mistake. Ah! See what they did there? Weird thing is, this panel actually appears in the story. Now, the story actually gets started when the Legion is informed that the villain Universo, who has mind powers, mind control powers, has escaped from prison. And the president's like, I figured you'd want the first shot at this. This is kind of your thing, Legion. And the Legion's like, yeah, we got this. And the scene from the cover literally takes place as the science police kid, who we're going to know as Devron, D-V-R-O-N, is creeping around Legion headquarters, But Colossal Boy's on duty, so he picks him up. The weird thing that gets me, what bothers me, is he picks him up, and Colossal Boy's like, oh, whoa, whoa, I'm sorry, I owe you an apology. 
No, you don't. Colossal boy, grow a pair. No pun intended on the grow. This guy was stalking around Legion headquarters. You cannot be too careful. Science police officers may be, you know, pretty legit, but not all of them are. And he could be like, 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 uh, Michael Chiklis in The Shield. He could be on the take. He could be a bad science police officer, which is ironic because he's the one that's going to betray them. It's on the cover, dude. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. There's a twist to that, but he still betrays them. Basically, Devron, uh, after he gets caught snooping, explains that he wants to go after Universo. He wants to be part of this hunt because Universo killed his partner while they were flying in Africa. There were killer plants, and they one got him thanks to the control of Universo, but Devron got away. That seems pretty shady to me. Seems pretty shady, but there's a twist to that as well. So let's get another twisting like we're chubby checker here. They do, the Legion does, allow him to join them in the hunt for no particular reason other than they're just softies. Aww. Superboy's even like, I say yes, after you totally lied to the clones of Invisible Kid and Feral Lad last issue. That's pretty, that's pretty stand-up of you, Superboy. So anyway, the Legion hops in their wicked cool transport, which is mildly Enterprise-like, and they go to the planet R7, which is not like L7. It's not square. It's R7, different kind of planet. And once they get there, they do the Scooby-Doo thing, and they split up, with Superboy and Lightlass going off on their own. Well, who's going to do the heavy lifting there? Ah, see what I did? Because she's light, she makes things light. Oh. Anyway, Timberwolf and Shrinking Violet go off together, and then Chameleon Boy and Devron go together. Uh, and while they're investigating, looking for Universal on the planet, it's Chameleon Boy and Devron that find him near the transport. And Chameleon Boy starts rushing at him, but Devron does the unthinkable. What's unthinkable, unless you've been reading the story or seen the cover, he shoots Chameleon Boy with a stun gun, dropping him to the ground, and Universal gets away. But well, when the Legion shows up to, to figure out what all the commotion is, you know, the guy says, yeah, I did it. Devron totally owns up to what he did. He says, I've got my own reasons. I can't tell you that. So they place him under arrest and they leave Lightlass to watch out for him. Okay, that's a bad plan to start off with. Lightlass is pretty much worthless. She can make things light. That's what she does. That's not impressive. But... They're sitting there hanging out, and out of nowhere, Universo Mind Guy shows up and karate chops Lightlass on the back of the head. I told you that was worthless! And we learned through some dialogue that Universo apparently saved Devron's life. So, that's on the table, that's awkward, but it's all a trick. Because once again, we're using the Chameleon Boy card, and I think that should really be taken off the table, by the way. Once again, Chameleon Boy gets the answers he wants by pretending to be somebody else. Been there, done that. But since he's kind of on the spot, Devron spills it. That basically, while they were on the planet, he and his partner came across the killer plants. That part was true. But Universal was not commanding the plant to attack them. What Universal was actually doing was stopping the plants from killing Devron. So he didn't end up like his partner. So Devron owed Universal one. It's a code of honor. See, I told you he's like that chickless guy from S.H.I.E.L.D. I am telling you, I don't trust this guy. But, now that he's got that out of, those, out of the way, apparently I, I can, he can go off and arrest him now. I'm good now. I owed him that escape. So, what do they do? They give him his blaster back, and they all go together to find Universo. And then there's a big commotion as they're attacked by Universo. They're, he's apparently behind a rock, and Superboy is trying to fly off. They're like, oh, no, everything's fine. Devron pulls out his gun and shoots Superboy. Now, you would think... You would think this would be another betrayal, and I would be right, and I would be validated, and I would kind of be happy, 
because Superboy would just knock this kid down like he's nothing. But the kid actually is onto something. He was thinking like a criminal. Now, only people that think like criminals are normally criminals. But he was thinking like a criminal, so he realized that Superboy was not actually Superboy. It was Universo making everybody think that he was Superboy under Universo's control. So Devron actually makes a good call. They capture Universo. All is well. And there's a nice jolly laugh at the end. <laughs> okay, this kid just betrayed the Legion. So I'm starting to wonder if we're seeing something, if something's happening off panel, this kid is somebody's son or something, if they've got dirt on Brainiac 5, because they just laugh it off like it's cool. He still shot a legionnaire. This is like a police officer, local police, shooting an FBI agent. You can't just say, oh, all in good fun. We're cool. We're cool. Because that's aiding a fugitive. And that's also shooting an FBI officer. Both very, very bad things the last time I checked. This uh, this story wasn't bad. I'm going to say that. But it wasn't good. It was so indifferent. It excels at being indifferent. The only thing that stood out for me was Devron, who was just annoying. I'm telling you, he's got to be somebody's son. He's got to have, like, wicked cool pictures of Dawnstar on a drunken sorority night. I don't know. But everybody walks away happy. The powerful villain is captured, and all is well. So I guess you can't really ask for too terribly much, can you? Well, until next time, I am J. David Weeder, saying, Long live the Legion. I kind of want drunken sorority pictures of Dawnstar now. Google! Alright, thanks, Dave. And that was a, that was a really good segment. Rest... Way to go, David. Wasn't it? It was amazing. It's like we heard yeah. it as we were uh, in our just, in our in no crazy. way continuing with this part of the show. Thirty seconds later. No, no, not at all. No, 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 no. We waited the five to ten minutes that I'm sure that his clip took, um, <laughs> that his section of the episode took. So yeah, that's how we that's how we do things around here. We that's just right. wait. Um, but uh, <laughs> that's going to wrap things up for this episode. Um, Mike, thanks again for coming on the show. For, you want to tell me. this has been a lot of fun. Oh, sure, no problem. And you want to tell everyone where they can find you on the interweb? Oh, sure. Um, not as many places as usual, or as as in the past, I guess. Um, I, like Charlie said at the top of the show, or possibly last episode, depending on if he splits <laughs> this up or not. Um, I have my own Superman podcast, The Thrilling Adventures of Superman which you can find at greatcrypton.com. I haven't had any new episodes out for a while, but I am working uh, tirelessly trying to get it back on its legs. And no promises when that's going to happen. I've kind of been busy with work and other life stuff, but uh, one day it will hopefully happen. And I'm, I'm sure, if it's not too presumptuous, I'm sure when that happens, you'll, you'll hear about it in the form of a promo or something on the show here. Uh, but you can, if you want to oh, yeah. hear the 90 some odd episodes that I did in the past. You can find those at greatcrypton.com. Um, and I also have a blog, uh, Siegel and Schuster Mythmakers, where I talk all about Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and all the, the wonderful creations they gave us in addition to Superman. And you can find that at greatcrypton.com slash Siegel Schuster. All right. And um, that's going to do it for this episode. Um I guess we'll see you next time. See you later. <laughs> well, that's a great way to end it. Bye, Bye Mike. Bye, everybody. Bye, Angie. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
You have been listening to Superman in the Bronze Age, hosted by Charlie Niemeyer and J. David Weeder. Show notes can be found at www.supermaninthebronzeage.com, as well as links to the RSS and iTunes feeds and more. You can also find the show on Stitcher Smart Radio, as well as Facebook, where you can get a little notice whenever a new episode is posted. Superman in the Bronze Age is a proud member of both the Superman Podcast Network at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com and the Comics Podcast Network at www.comicspodcasts.com. Please make sure to check out both sites for more great podcasts. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and is copyright DC Comics. Thank you so much for listening and God bless. Listen to our show on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Blackberry, or Palm phones. On demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio.